0: Let's give it a great big welcome. Books may welcome to Charlie Robinson as he comes. Revivalists come to revive and stir us up. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Such a conservative church. Hallelujah. <laughs> You guys are awesome. We just enjoy being here. I just, uh, right from the get-go, I just sort of wanted to stand around here. And because there's a tremendous anointing upon, not just upon the young people, and because it's anointing, there's a tremendous hunger in these young people to know God and to walk with God. And, and uh, there was a wonderful diamond that God just uh, dropped from heaven. We, in England, we were at uh, one meeting and, and ten diamonds came. In one meeting. So I'm praying. Father, I just pray for more diamonds. Lord, I pray for more feathers, more gold dust, more oil. Father, I pray that you would uh, fill people's teeth and cap their teeth tonight if they need a dental miracle. Lord, we pray for dental miracles tonight. In the name of Jesus, God, you're well able to uh, fill people's teeth with gold. We've we've seen many, many, many people... Uh, that God has capped their teeth and, uh, filled with uh, gold fillings. And, uh, one lady I know got received seven caps. Is that what they call them here? Um, crowns, seven crowns. Um, uh, and she was going to the orthodontist the following Friday and she had to have work on seven teeth. And that was Friday night. God said, forget that. And he gave her seven brand new gold crowns. And they're really, really, really shiny when they're brand new from heaven. And, uh, And you know, the Bible says, open your mouth and I will fill it. So so if you need a dental miracle tonight, open your mouth. You see, God is big enough to do these kind of things. And uh, I get excited about everything that God does. I certainly love to see uh, diamonds drop from heaven. I've never found one. Lots of people have found them in the meetings. My wife sat... Through one meeting, 20 minutes, there was a, about a three-quarter, beautiful diamond right in front of her. But it, they just had just started to fall, and she didn't know what it was. She's, and the lady next to her got it. Hallelujah. So God bless that lady. <laughs> Amen. And so you'd say, well, why, why would God do something like that? Why not? You know, th- this, is my, this is always my response. Why wouldn't God do something like that? First of all, can he do it? Absolutely. Why, why wouldn't he do it? You see, the Bible promises us signs in the heavens and on the earth. And so God gives us tokens of his love. And, you know, there could be many reasons why God gives us not just diamonds. Uh, In Indonesia, there's been about seven or eight different kind of stones, rubies, emeralds, you name it. They fall all over the place. In one church uh, that we ministered to in September, they actually have one church and five other churches in town. We went to the one church And by the grace of God, God moves so wonderfully. And there's such uh, an amazing church, and they're so hungry for God. They have about 2,000 people that pray in a 24 hour cycle. And and they've really been hungry and believing God for revival. When we came there, people began to shake by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. They have about 6,000 people total. And to the point where, after a few weeks, they started phoning up their pastor and saying, Pastor, I mean, not just phoning him. He said, coming in the middle of the night, coming to the church office, emailing him, Pastor, pray for us that we will stop shaking. Because the power of God comes and people begin to shake and quake at all hours of the day and night when they're eating at work. God will just come and they'll just start shaking. And, and the pastor said, I've been praying for seven years that you shake. I'm not going to pray that you stop now. Forget it. But God began to shake and, and many things begin to happen. And, you know, really, all the outward signs that God does, they're wonderful. But, see, it's, it's a sign of an inward work that God wants to do. The signs always point to God, and I get excited about them. But, you see, it's pointing to something that's deeper. The signs that God gives us are wonderful. And they're not just to prove that He's God. I mean, God can do that. But, you see, He loves us, so He gives us tokens of His love in many forms. But we need to receive them. We can't say, well, they don't matter. Yes, they do. Are you kidding me? A diamond come out of heaven? I, that's something. Hallelujah. You don't see that every day. And so I get excited about it. But what I get excited about is the greater work that God is doing. It reminds us of what he's doing. Now, we are living stones. And you know, the kind of living stones that God is building is not a bunch of bricks. <laughs> you're not a living stone. I'm a brick. No, you're a diamond. You're a ruby. You're, you're a jewel. Hallelujah. And so I appreciate these things. And a lot of people, you know, people are getting gold dust and I like that. And, and oil, oil's good, feathers, all that stuff that God can give us by his grace. But he's always pointing and he always wants us to point, oh man, to him. And so I don't let these things distract me. I just get more excited about God. And I, I say, I like it. Man, God just shakes me up every now and then. I don't know why and I don't care. But when he does... Um, I know that his glory has been released I mean you say why would you shake like that? Well, why not? Hallelujah Some of you need to shake I pray that god will shake you up I went to toronto and I saw a man that was shaking Violently the whole meeting I went the next night. He was still shaking violently and after a few meetings I really I was going in my mind like come on now You know and i'm shaking already and, and I can handle a lot Well, but I was trying not to judge him. God, I don't want to judge him, but I'm like, man, the guy's just... And he was like 70 years old. He's just like violently shaking. And so after about four or five days, John Arnott calls this man up and says, "Uh, I bet some of you have been wondering why this man's been shaking every single day. And I'm like... Like, I want to hear this one. And so he gave the guy the mic. He had a a, a British accent. Sort of sounds like yours, except different. And... um, We've strayed far away from the British monarchy, I'll tell you. But anyway, and the Americans even worse. But uh, this guy, he was shaking. So he's trying to talk and he's going, I am the driest vicar in all of England. I've had a church for 50 years. It's the driest church. And before I came to Toronto, I said, God, do you think you can shake me up a little bit? I haven't stopped shaking for five days. You know, after the seventh day, he stopped shaking and to my knowledge, he never shook again, but he brought revival to 300 churches in England and thousands of souls came into the kingdom. So don't judge that stuff, you know, and if you do and you say, man, I don't want that. God will give you twice of what you don't want. You see, with the measure that you judge, you're going to be judged with that measure. So. I think I judged that guy that shook and look what happened to me. Every now and then I just shake. But you know, I shake for a reason. Man, I'm preaching on shaking. I can't believe it. But you know, maybe God will make some of you shake. And some of you are sitting there going, Lord, I'm all yours. My body's yours. That's a dangerous prayer. (laughs) I used to shake at school when I worked there. I'd shake under the power of God and the kids would come and sit and say, why do I feel so good when that happens? I said, that's the power of God. They didn't mind the shaking. They like it. Are you kidding me? I mean, they, they, they like guys who stick their hands down alligators throats and hang off buildings and eat worms on, you know, fear factor and all that stuff. Don't you like that kind of stuff? You see, young pe- I like young people. They're always on the edge. They're willing to take a risk. You see, I want to always be willing to take a risk. And you, you can't really be a Christian unless you're taking a risk. Because the Christian life is an impossible life. You can't live it. It's impossible. God didn't make you. God didn't make the Christian life a possible life to live. It's an impossible life to live. That's why you live with an impossible God. And an impossible God lives in you because he makes the impossible possible. Hallelujah. When Sammy prayed for that guy in Africa that had no eyeball. Like no eyeball, you guys. No eyeball. He'd had his eye surgically removed. A doctor took his eyeball out. And he was their bus driver. And listen, if you have a bus driver with one eye, you're praying that he has two pretty quick. Especially in Africa. You should see him drive with two eyes. It's a mess. <laughs> we had one guy driving our van. He had two eyes, but he had no shoes, and, and I could see him hitting the brakes and it would go right under the floor and he was had both feet on him and we weren't stopping. Well, Sammy had one of those drivers but with one eye, and so they prayed. Did I share this the other night? I didn't. Oh man, I should get him to share, but I'll share it for him. And he and a couple of other guys, and you know what? We just we just want to be bold. And when you get into the circumstances that, that, that maybe and probably nothing's going to happen, but you know what? God's bigger than maybe, probably nothing. You need to believe that, you guys. The kingdom of God is within you. How much of it? All of it. Big God is in you. The same God in me is in you. He can do mighty things through you if you give Him the glory and if you'll step out and if you lose your dignity for Him. Hallelujah. Because what they did is they prayed for this guy. And the first day they prayed for him They just did what Todd Bentley did They covered his good eye And all he had was the black hole of space And they said, how many fingers do you see? He said, I don't see anything <laughs> Of course not, he had no eyeball But you know what? You don't serve the God of the possible You serve the God of the impossible Yeah, because with God, all things are possible So they prayed for him the second day How many fingers do you see? I don't see nothing <laughs> Of course not, he's got no eyeball The third day They covered his eye. They say, how many fingers do you see? He said, I see three fingers. He's got no eyeball. They said, how many do you see? Two, one, four. And then they figured this, right, Sammy? They figured, well, maybe the guy's just a good guesser. So the guy took a candy out of his pocket and he stood a ways away. He said, how many fingers do you see now? He says, I don't see any fingers, but I see a sweet hanging there. So he told that to Todd. They got the camera. We have these cameras. And We watched God put an eyeball in a man's eye socket. When we left, he had about three quarters of an eyeball. It just grew. Eyeballs don't grow. When was the last time you heard of an eyeball seed? They don't grow. God grew one back. But you know, it didn't matter if he had an eyeball or not, he could already see without one. Now that's impossible. He saw it. I saw this man. We have him on video giving testimony with no eyeball, seeing. You see, either I'm a liar or God's real. I'm not a liar. You only have two choices, <laughs> You're right? I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. I tell you, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. Did you know the devil's weapons are carnal? That's all he's got, are carnal weapons. You don't, have to, you don't have carnal weapons. You can use the big and mighty ones, hallelujah, that God has given you. Because the weapons of your warf- warfare are, are, are not carnal. You don't have to put up with the world around you the way it is. You can change it. Especially young people. You can change the world. You, if you make a decision, you can change the world. To take God and go and change nations. It's all about nations. And it's all about being willing to go. You know, have you ever heard of Heidi Baker? Well, I was at a conference uh, actually not, oh, a couple of years ago, I guess now. And uh, I do, uh, many of the times I open for the conferences, I, I do like what Pastor did here, but I, I do it for conferences, we'd have two or 3,000 people. And so when Heidi ministers, she's very powerful in the spirit, and she usually ends up on, she starts on the floor and ends up on the floor and talks about going lower and dying for Jesus, and die, 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 and humbling yourself and, and dying for Jesus. And you know what she got? She's got almost 10,000 churches in, uh, in uh, Mozambique because she just goes lower and lower and lower in God. And God just gives her more and more children and more and more churches. And it's just amazing. And so she's on the floor. You never know how to end the meeting because she's on the floor weeping. And, and so I, I took the mic. It was a mic like this, a cordless mic. I headed here. And as I was heading to the pulpit, God said to me, who will I send and who will go for me? And I said it to the people, who will I send, saith the Lord, and who will go for me? And the people are like, I'll go. I said it three times. When I said it the third time, God said, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. I said, Oh, and this is what I said out loud. God, I will go. Do you know how dangerous that prayer is to the devil and to your flesh? When I said that, I saw a sword come on, come out of the, it was like, come out of nowhere, wrapped in fire. It was the, Love of Jesus Christ for the dark nations. The love that pained him for the dark nations came out and it went right into me. And when it went into me, I screamed at the top of my lungs. And this mic went up in the air and landed and bounced on the platform. And I went this way and I curled up. I could not help myself. I curled up in a fetal position and I screamed for 10 minutes in front of two, three thousand people. Because I felt the love of Jesus Christ for the dark nations where people would not go because it was dangerous and God told me I'm sending you to the dark nations of the earth and I said I know I'll go I'll go and Heidi crawled over to me and it must have looked like a mess I mean here I am wiped out screaming she's crawling on the floor because she can't stand up because of the weight of the presence of God and she she whispers in my ear Charlie God's sending you to the dark nations of the earth I said I know you know what this is your, your church is called to be a going church when we, when we ministered to the leaders, that was the most wonderful thing. I've never seen anything like it. God just walked people around the room. Just about every person we prayed for just went walking around the room with their eyes closed in the spirit. I mean, not maybe around the room. Well, a few went around the room. Hallelujah. One lady was doing the wheelbarrow with Jesus. It was great. She was just, God was all over. It was awesome. Where is she? She may not want to admit it. They're all pointing to her. Yeah, wasn't that good? Oh, Man. But you see, because this is a, go, a going church, this is a sending church. This is a, a coming and a going church. This is God saying, who will go for me? And you're saying, yes, Lord, I will go. But you see, you guys right here, there's such an anointing here. Now they're hogging they're all my space here, but that's okay. I'll come down anyway. I love to stand here because there's uh, an open heaven right here. And I mean, oh, you see, I can feel it. There's an open heaven. That's why the diamonds and feathers and stuff coming over here. And you say, why is it over here? I don't know. Well, they're here. That's good. Oh, man. You see, I'm going to come and stand here. I'm going to receive some of the glory. Not receive the glory. It's just going to come on me. Oh, man. Ah, that feels good. You feeling that? I'm going to stand over here. This is good. You see, God, let some more diamonds come here. Let some more feathers come. See, God loves you. You know why? Because you're you're hot for God. You want to go for God. See, you want what God wants. Don't you? I know you do. You see, so does Jesus. And you know, maybe some of you, this is your first time here and this is not making any sense. Don't bolt for the door. We've locked them. No, we haven't. <laughs> D- don't go to the doors. <laughs> Forget the washrooms, they're locked too. So, no, kidding. It's good over here too. Actually, it's pretty good in the whole place, but I'm just going to walk around and. Uh, I'm going to pray for you give me your hand here father i just thank you for this man right now stand up hallelujah Father, in the name of Jesus, you know, there's an inheritance from heaven for you. I just feel it. There is a strong inheritance that God has for you from heaven. There's a warrior spirit over you. I see the, the armor of God, but it's a different, it's like a warrior's armor. And Lord, I just speak, bam, in the name of Jesus into his belly. And I thank you, God, You just give him that great big sword. And God, he's going to use it. And he's going to lop the head of that dragon off in the name of Jesus. So, God, we thank you for that, bam, in the name of Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Take some more. Hallelujah. Wow. It's just like this. bam! That's all over him. I just see like this. It's like this shiny silver armor all over him. The armor of a warrior going to battle. But there's also an inheritance that you're receiving. Might as well receive it tonight. Hallelujah. Wow, that's good. Hallelujah. Wow, that's good. Now listen. You know what? Most of us, when we come to a meeting... We go, you know, if they didn't proph- if the guy didn't prophesy over me or didn't pray over me or, I, you know, I, then I didn't get it. Most of the stuff, the good stuff happens after we leave. After we leave. Yeah. We were in Batam. After we left. After we left. We only went to one church. All six of their churches, diamonds and feathers and gold dust come every single Sunday. Now, you know, I don't focus on that usually, but since one fell, I'm believing for more. Because often it's a sign that the, that the gate is opening and the glory. You see, that's what happens when you sow into the glory and you minister the word on the glory. You reap what you sow. And the glory of God is not just everyday Christian struggling life. It's entering into the victory that Jesus Christ has already won for you. You see, there is no glory without the blood of Jesus Christ. There isn't. There's no glory without the blood of Jesus. That's why everything in the temple was sprinkled with blood. There is no glory. We can't access that unless Jesus would have died and shed His blood. There's no glory that we can walk in. When When I'm talking the glory of God, I mean the presence of God made known. I mean God just pulling back the veil. And saying, this is who I am visiting you. You know, that's a great thing. It's also a scary thing. But without the blood of Jesus and the cross, it ain't going to happen. It wouldn't have. But you see, because of the blood of Jesus, the Bible says that God made a way. For us to enter into the Holy of Holies. Hallelujah. And you know what's in the Holy of Holies? The glory of God. His absolute presence. And, and see, so that means that you can boldly approach the throne of grace. Because of the blood of Jesus. And find grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. So in revival meetings, don't get lost in the feeling. The feeling's good. I love to feel God. I mean, who wants to feel depressed tonight? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> this guy just punched depression in the head. I saw it. Nobody, but we want to feel the joy. Of course we do. But you see what what God wants to do is touch you and you might feel good here, but watch what he's doing here. It's here. What he's doing in revival. Don't get your eyes off that. So that's good. So we're going to mess around a little bit in the spirit. You know, God likes to mess around with you. If he could, he'd give you a noogie. Do you have noogies here? You you know what a noogie is? It's one of these. Oh, they have those in New Zealand. Now, listen, are you kidding me? You don't think God wants to give you a noogie? Of course he does. God would love to body slam some of the young guys here. Just show them who's boss. He's their father. He's their heavenly father. What father doesn't like? Well, I can't body slam my son. Look at him. He lets me every once in a while, but that's about it. But God could body slam you. (laughs) Now you say, what kind of a God is that that you're talking about? Your God? Oh, Yeah you'd be surprised what your heavenly father is really like. You would really be surprised what he's like if you really got close to him and got to know him. Yes, he's God on the throne, absolutely. Yes, he, I mean, he is the, the ultimate judge. But you know what? If, if the only relationship that you have with God is the person of God, the judge, I feel sorry for you. Most Christians, they only know God as God, their judge they put taken the new testament live under the law it's a matter of reading my bible praying every day going to church and study that's not the christian life the christian of life is to know him even an earthly judge is only on the judge's bench for a few hours and then he goes home takes off his robe he doesn't sleep in his robe 24 7. No, he doesn't he's got a family he's got children same with god and so it's great to worship God and see his majesty, see him on the throne. See, you better see him like that. Every knee's going to bow one day and every tongue confess. But I will tell you this. Jesus did not say, my judge, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He said, because the word God means ruling magistrate. Did you know that? G-O-D. God, G-O-D. Not Lord and the Hebrew names. But the word God means ruling magistrate. And so you, know, you need to know that God's your judge. But even more than that, you need to know he's your father. <laughs> you, I'll tell you what, you can get close to your father. If you let him, he'll give you a hug. It's, it's what he wants to do. Did you know that he's, You know the reason he hates sin and all the junk and the stuff that goes on in the church and in people's lives It's not because he hates you. He hates the sin because he can't come and touch you and give you a hug. How do I know? He told me. You see, he wants you to draw nigh unto him with clean hands and a pure heart. Why so that he can get close to you? But if there's sin and he gets close to you, you might get, that would be the end of it. (laughs) We're going to talk about the lightnings of God. You want want the lightnings of God to fall in the right place. Not, you know, not the wrong kind of lightning. Crispy critters. We don't want that. You know, the Bible says, uh, be holy because he's holy. Why? So that you can approach him. Not just because he just doesn't want anybody to have any sin. I mean, that's not the end result of not having sin. The end result of desire to be holy is so that you can sit in God's lap. You ever done that? Maybe not. I have. In the spirit, when I've been worshiping God, because I worship God on the throne, but more than that, I fellowship with my father. He's my father. What do fathers like to do? Play with their kids. But we can't handle that, most of us in the church, because our mind is not, we've been wired a different way. But you see, you know what these people were having, we know what they were doing? They were having fun. They were having fun and worshiping God. How does that mix? Well, that's because that's the way God is. God is into joy, unspeakable and full of boomba. Glory. Okay. I promised you that I would talk about the roar of the lion tonight. I also warned you. (laughs) It could get out there tonight. It will get out there tonight. You will get out there tonight. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. From the front to the back. Praise God. And you know what? Maybe there's a couple of people here that don't usually go to church. That's okay. We're having a good time. And you know what? If you're like me, see, I didn't, I didn't know, even know what a Christian was, but I wanted to be radical about life. And when I got saved, when Jesus Christ came into my life, I got radical about God and life. Yeah. And so, you know, it's good to be around radical people. So we're going to get radical tonight. Why? Because you, when I say radical, what do I mean? I mean, as excited as God gets. Do you understand how excited God is about you? He can hardly handle it every day. In fact, the Bible says in the Song of Solomon, it it talks about the flame of Yah, the jealousy of God that he has for you. It's called the flame of Yah. It's a burning fire for you. That's how much he loves you. Oh, I'll tell you what, to get close to God, it'll change you. Okay, man. Hopefully I'll be able to finish. I mean, I, I've been with Todd. Sometimes Todd, the power of God will hit him. He'll be on the floor. That's it. I take over and vice versa. And you say, why would God do that? Because Todd Bentley walks with God. And every now and then God just takes him and that's it. And I got to take over for a while. You say, what kind of gospel is that? There's only one gospel. Draw nigh eye into me and I draw nigh eye into you. You get too close to God. He'll, I mean, something will happen. <laughs> How about tonight for you? How about somebody that's never, ever felt the power of God? Like tonight, let it be your night. We don't go by feelings, but if you never feel God, something's wrong and God wants to touch you. Yeah, he really does. So fasten your seatbelts. Revelation 4, let's go there. Let's go now. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh God, give more diamonds. We thank you for diamonds, Lord. We give you praise for everything you do. We like what you do and how you do it. Feathers, I was, uh, we were at a conference, the same conference where Rick Joyner was at. I came up to give the announcements. 36 feathers fell out of heaven in front of everybody in midair, just appeared and fell. Feathers that were about three inches long. Were you there, Sammy? I'm telling you, I get the numbskull anointing immediately. I looked at these things and it was like somebody was blowing them out of thin air. <laughs> and they just came. And usually if you drop a feather, it goes like this. These feathers went down like this sideways. And then one, and then another, and then another, and then another. It was during the announcements. During the announcements. And I sat there. And so did everybody else. Then people were jumping up. Of course, you know who went for them, all the teenagers. They're jumping on people's backs trying to get them. I like stuff like that. Do you think there's going to be a dull moment in heaven? But the prayer that Jesus gave us was, as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, you will be done. Okay, here we go. Revelation four says this, verse five, and from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Very important in the economy of God, thunders, lightnings, voices. Do you know why they're important, Alex? You, you'll You'll figure out, listen, after this message, it will change the way you ever read that scripture again because you're involved in all three of those things. It proceeds from the throne, but it heads out somewhere. And God, Jesus only has one body. Guess who it is? You and me. That's it. And you know, I used to feel sorry for God. I really did. I'd say, this is it. <laughs> we're it. We're the body of Christ on the earth. This is all you got. Us and everybody on the earth. And I'd say, God, what? I mean, you're in trouble if we're it. Did you ever think that or is that just me? <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I want to give you an awesome testimony. You know what? Some of you guys need to step out in faith and ask God some impossible questions sometimes. One time years ago, I, I said this to God. I read in Revelation somewhere about the seven thunders. You know what the Bible talks about in Revelation? The seven thunders said utter, they uttered their voices. John was about to write what they said. But the angel said, don't write it down. Does anybody know? You know that's in the Bible? Do you ever read that? Well, I asked God many, many years ago. You know what? I read that and I went, you know what? If that's sealed up, and it says in the Bible it's sealed up, one day it's going to get unsealed. And I said, God, if you ever want to tell somebody what that means, <laughs> I'm here. And you know, it seems like a foolish prayer. It seems like a foolish kind of a prayer. But you know what? I've learned that the foolishness of God can quickly dispose of man's wisdom. That's right, prayer prayers like that. You'd be surprised what God will tell me. And then, I, then years later, I'll go, God, why'd you tell me that? Well, he said, you asked me like 12 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I can't believe you're answering. You see, God's going to tell somebody. He never does anything unless he first reveals it to his servants. What? The prophets. I'm going to tell you an awesome testimony that God did for me that changed my life. Absolutely. And God caused me to see the power And the responsibility that he's given to the church in this day, in this age, young or old, the authority that God has put in us, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And God has given you authority to bless. God has given you authority to release judgment upon the enemy. In fact, you're called to do it. How did that get there? You're called to do it. Amen. Okay. Here's what happened to me. Now, some people, whenever I say the Toronto Airport Vineyard, in some churches they're, yay! And I go, in other churches I go, Toronto Airport Vineyard, they go, boo. But I'm telling you, I know some of the people that were involved, and it was a good thing. Sure, there was all sorts of, it was a good thing for me. Let's put it that way. I got blessed. I really did. God blessed me. (laughs) I didn't sneeze. God blessed me. But anyway, (laughs) do you guys say that here when somebody sneezed? You do. Oh, hallelujah. So God blessed me there. But the first time I was going there, about three weeks before, we had our own revival meeting in in, uh, British Columbia with Patricia King. And we brought in a guy from Florida. I'd never been in revival. I never felt revival. I never felt the presence of God. I've been pursuing the glory of God for many, 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 many years. I saw many, 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 many miracles. I saw God do wonderful things and God remove things in our city and change the name of our city like I shared the other night and all this stuff. But on the first night of this meeting, I felt the glory of God come into a meeting and what it was like to have revival. And I did not want to leave. And that's the problem. When it comes, you don't want to leave. It's part of the problem. Because when revival comes, it serves many purposes. And if you only get focused on the feeling and on the miracles, after a while, you get in trouble because God is going to kick you out of the nest at some point. So, but I was sitting there. Oh, it was so wonderful. And then God spoke these words to me. Seven C's. I went, seven C's, seven C's, seven. Then he says again, seven C's. And I'm like, I told my wife, I said, surely I says, God's speaking to me. What does he say? And I said, seven C's. She goes, what's that? What kind of a word is that? I said, I don't know. I said, maybe God wants us to go to a Chinese restaurant in Vancouver called the seven C's. Like, it's all I could think of. Except there was, a, there was a, a restaurant called the seven C's, Chinese. And I figured, well, maybe God wants me to go there. I'm like, seven C's, seven C's. Every day for 11 days, God spoke to me, seven C's. It bugged me because that's all I got. I'm like, God, what does that mean? Seven C's. And I'm like, okay. Sometimes God just gives you what you you need for the time you need it. So after 11, 11 days of this, every day, we had a team. We were working with Patricia King with the youth, and we took off across Canada. The name of our youth group was Catch Fire. And Toronto stole it, and you put the and catch the fire. But that's okay. We were a humble bunch. <laughs> anyway, it was called Catch Fire. We had 11 on-fire youth. We go across Canada. And on the way, we heard of a Chinese uh, pastor from Vancouver. His name is Gideon Chu, a major leader in Canada. And we'd heard that in Toronto, he'd roared like a lion. Intercession came on him. And he rah, he roared. And, of course, me, you know, I can talk from time to time. You know, I can be pretty boisterous. I have volume 10. That's about it. And uh, I don't have any volume 7, 8, 9. I have volume 10. God threw the knob off a long time ago. So when I preach, this is what you get. And so I told the kids right away. I said, listen, if God wants me to roar when we get to Toronto, I'll roar. You better watch out what you say to God in front of people. We went across Canada. We had wonderful meetings. We were in Toronto. We're in Toronto for one night. My first kick at the can, we're, and it's in Canada. And I'm a Canadian. I'm like, I want to get in on what God is doing in Canada. So the worship begins. Oh, it was so wonderful. I was just sitting there. I was just get lost in the presence of God. All of a sudden, I could feel this stirring in my belly. Urgh. And I felt sort like my face was morphing into a lion, but I thought it was my mind. I thought, that can't come on. That can't be. And I felt this sudden desire to start rending something. And so I'm going like this. God, no. I said, not tonight. Tomorrow, I'll roar. That's what I said. Please, not tonight. Well, we weren't going to be there tomorrow, but that didn't matter to me. I'm trying to talk God out of it. And like I said last night, I try. you know I'd like to have a conversation with God because he said, come and reason together with me. Right? So I say, you know, Moses reasoned with you. He says, you're not Moses. So then it doesn't work. <laughs> and so I put my hands down. I grieve the Holy Spirit. I feel nothing. And now I'm like, now I'm double, you know, now I'm disobedient and I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. That's not a good combination. So I put my hands up a few minutes later. I'm worshiping God. It comes upon me again. It comes upon me several times. And I was like, God, what's going on? He says, I want you to roar tonight. I said, God, I don't know how to roar. Nobody else is roaring. I don't hear nobody roaring. It's quiet. I don't know how to roar. I don't want to roar. What's the roaring about? It'll sound like a zoo. I don't want to roar. And I'm, I'm fighting this. Why? My dignity. I knew it was God because I knew way before that. I've got a lion in me. The lion of the tribe of Judah lives in me. Did you know that? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Did you know Because you do not know how to war and get violent. as I like what Mike was saying, man. You've got to go over and rip this stuff down. And there's a reason why a number of people are sitting here tonight. And you have not fulfilled the prophetic word over your life. It's because you don't understand how to war over the prophecies. You have to war violently over the promises. Just because God gives you a promise. Just because God you get a prophecy from a man of God or a woman of God. You need to be a part of that. Paul told Timothy to war over his prophecies. But how do you war? You can't be a lamb and war. Give me the prophecy. That won't work. You can't be nice to the devil. And you say the devil. Yes, he will try to stop every single promise. And every single thing that God has for you. He'll try to close every gate. He'll try to dry up the river. Everything that's good from God. He'll try to stop. And a lamb can't do it. But a lion can you got to let the lion of the tribe of Judah come upon you. Because it's, it's what happens when you get violent. Because you know one thing that, that, that lions do? They rend. And unless you know how to rip and rend in the spirit and pull down, you'll just bump along as a Christian. But when you learn how to tear and rend, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here because this is going to help you. Go, and then I'll continue. Because we're talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelation 5. Do you know that every word that you have in your life is like a scroll written in the spirit? Did you know that you see what we prophesy in the spirit? It's like a scroll. It's not like it is. It's a scroll over your life. And even though the word is spoken over you, some people I know that have waited 20 and 25 years. They said, I got a prophecy 25 years ago and it hasn't come to pass. And I go, what have you done about it? Well, I didn't know I was supposed to do anything about it. I said pardon me are you are you alive or you know you have to activate yourself not to bring it a past premium I'm not talking about you know going ahead of God and just doing something but there's something that every scroll has that I never heard one person ever preach on one time your prophetic word has seals on it. It does. How do I know that? It talks about a heavenly scroll in Revelation 5. And it says I saw In the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And it says, No one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Verse 4. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Verse 5. One of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold the lion. Of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to what? Open the scroll and loose its seven seals. Now we poeticize the book of Revelation. And most guys take the book of Revelation and get a big timeline and say, Well, this and this and that's not what the book of Revelation is for. Is a big timeline to figure out when the Antichrist is going to come. I mean, if you can figure it out, God bless you. Tell me. Otherwise, it's a book of Revelation. <laughs> And it tells me there's a lion. It tells me that there's only one person in heaven and on the earth and under the earth that can open the scrolls. Who? The lion of the tribe of Judah. Where does he live? In me. But it also says on this particular scroll, there were seven seals. And I believe that there's seals on every one of our scrolls. You can get the most accurate prophetic word from the greatest prophet in the world. But you need to rip off the seals. You see, you need to be engaged. That's why Paul said you need to war. What does that mean? Get violent over the prophecies over your life. Now, there is a waiting time. And you don't, I'm not talking about going out prematurely. I'm talking about, especially, there's people here that have a call to missions you've never gone. Because you check your bank account before you say yes. God is not interested in how much money you have in your bank account before you say yes. Listen, you guys here, maybe some of you don't even have a job. Who cares? I'm telling you, when God asks you to go to the nations, he's He's saying this. Will you go? Yes or no? Say yes. You see, how do I know that? Todd Bentley. Todd Bentley, who has a tremendous ministry that God has given him. Three and a half years ago, he watched a TV show about Malawi and, and, the, and the famine and the kids that were starving in that nation. And he began to weep with his wife in their living room. He said, God, I wish I could do something about it. God said, "There's going. You're, you're going to do something about it. He said, I want you to take $500,000 U.S. Because we live in Canada. And he said, take $500,000 U.S., go to Malawi, Africa. He said, buy food, feed the poor, have a crusade, get people saved. He said, $500,000. He said, that's half my yearly budget. God said, I didn't ask you how much money you had or how much money you could raise. He said, Todd, I'm asking you, will you go to Malawi, Take $500,000, buy food, feed the poor, have a crusade. Yes or no? Todd, say yes. You know what Todd said? Yes. Within one month, without announcing this at any public meeting, we had over $500,000. I was on that trip. 92 people went on that trip. We saw so many miracles, we we couldn't count them, we couldn't get them on the video. Blind eyes, uh, deaf ears. Sammy saw a completely crippled woman, and I was there and I saw it. Completely crippled woman from the waist down her legs like spaghetti. We prayed for her, and they were just dangling. Sammy goes, let's pick her up and see what happens. He was 16 years old. And I said, what kind of prayer is that? Let's pick her up and see what happens. (laughs) That's a faith-filled prayer. So we picked her up, and she was light because, I mean, she was just like skin and bone. When we picked her up, she came right off the ground, and her legs, they didn't just go like that. They were like spaghetti, like noodles. But when her feet hit the ground, that woman started jumping up and down like a pogo and screaming, running back and forth, completely safe, just running. Why? Because somebody said yes. Because when it comes to counting the cost, most of the time, it's not according to how much money you have in the bank. Because most people that go can't afford it in the natural but God didn't call you to a life of possibility. He called you to an impossible life. And when you walk with God, I'm not talking about being flaky, you know, right? Like some people are just, yes, I'll go and trust. No, I'm saying when God speaks, so there's people here, I guarantee there's people here. How many people have ever desired to go on a missions trip and never gone? Put your hand way up. Be honest. You, You see lots of people, you know what? I'm believing for every one of you to go at some point, at some time, some way. God is well able to, 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 uh, to, not just, to, see, right now it's not a matter of supporting. It's a matter of ripping off a scroll, ripping off a, a, a seal, and warring, and roaring, and allowing the lion of the tribe of Judah to rip it off because the Bible says he's the only one who can. That's why when you get in, you see, right now this church is in lion mode. There's a time to soak like a lion, but there's a time to, to roar, uh, uh, soak, soak like a lion <laughs> Soak like a lamb But then there's a time to Roar like a lion It's Tonight we're going to do some roar We already did some A roar is simply a shout With a little bit more <clears throat> What did you call it? A grunt So it's a grunt with hair on it Hallelujah There it is How does that sound? It sounds pretty nasty actually But it, figure it out Okay So here I am Arguing with the Lord and this New Zealander came over, Graham Powell, who we've known for, for years. He lives in Canada now. And he prayed for me. And thank, just in the middle of this, he prayed for me. And I fell on the floor. Praise God. I was on the floor. And that felt really good. And I figured, okay, well, I'm not standing up. And I'm not morphing into this, in the spirit, into the, you know, the lion. I, I just felt like the lion of the tribe of Judah just wanted to move through me. Well, I'm on the floor. And here comes the head intercessor from Toronto. She lays hands on me. She says, let the lions roar. Come on, Charlie. I'm like, oh no, here we go again. And I can feel this. And so all of a sudden I went, okay, I'm just going to let it rip. So you know what I did? I went, roar. <laughs> I'm like, nah. She goes, that's not going to do so. Let it up. So I just let out. And really, it was like a shout of victory, but with a little more oomph to it. And I was like, roar. And I just did roared. The moment I did, the heavens opened. You know, it was in the heavens, Canada. (laughs) I saw the nation of Canada in front of me. I saw every province and in front of every province was a veil of religion hanging over every province. And I could see myself when I started going like this. I was ripping the veils of religion off of each province. And as I did, Mary Audrey Raycroft, the head intercessor, she's still the head intercessor there in Toronto. She prophesied. Every province I was going through. And she didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was just going, ah, like this. And she said, spirit of religion over Manitoba, come down. And I could see it coming down. Then I'd go to Alberta and she goes, spirit of religion over Alberta. All the ten provinces and the territories in Canada. As I'm just going like this, she's prophesying. And I found something out. You know who rent the veil of the temple in two? The lion of the tribe of Judah. Because lions rend. The Bible says Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And you know what happened next? The veil of the temple was rent in two. Hallelujah. Woo! That's what God's going to do tonight. And so after this happened, I felt pretty good. Hallelujah. Sort of cleans you out. After you after you release that, because really it's shouting to the Lord with a voice of triumph. And it scares the devil half to death, if not to death. It literally, it releases such a roar because the enemy doesn't know where it's coming from. You think you see, most of us think the devil knows everything about everything, but he doesn't. When you learn how to hide in the Spirit, and you're allowed to hide in the Spirit, you need to hide. It's only through humility and going lower, though. But if you learn how to hide in the Spirit, he doesn't know where you are. You see? And that's why a lot of ministries and people get in trouble. They don't learn how to hide. And when it's all about me and ministry, I'm going to get my head taken off at some point. It's just what's going to happen. If I think I'm a big shot in ministry and I'm out here, you know, I'm the guy and you're, you're down here and I'm up here. And, the, and, you know, I'm the big shot. You're the little shot. I'm telling you, my head will come off at some point. Yeah. You know why? Because I'm not hidden. It's all about me. And pride comes before the fall. Amen. So we've learned how to be hidden. And, but we, you can only do this when you're hidden. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like God. I obeyed. Hallelujah. And I, I uh, had no more dignity left, but I had obeyed. And so the next day I'm in a restaurant and God says this to me. How would you like to know what the seven thunders of Revelation 10 mean? Now, listen, I'm not being presumptuous. I'm telling you what God told me. And so I said, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to know. Oh, hallelujah. Would you like to know? I'm, I'm going to tell you what God told me. I'm not saying that this is the end and be all of Revelation 10. And now I know everything about you know, Revelation, no. I know what God told me, and I've seen come to pass what God told me. That's the best part. It's one thing to have a doctrine. It's another th- thing to see the reality of the doctrine come to pass. Your doctrines won't save you. Faith in Jesus Christ will save you. You need to believe right doctrines, but it's your faith in Christ that saves you only. It's, you're saved by grace through faith. That's it. It's the blood of Jesus Christ through the cross that saves you. Believe it in that. You need to know the Bible, but too many people... They go to church of the barrel of doctrines and no reality of Jesus in their life. Don't do that. And so when, I, when God speaks to me, I say, God, I want to see it. Hallelujah. And so here's what happened. God said this to me. Seven thunders are seven judgments on the seven seas and the seven continents. They, not, they are not judgments on people. They are judgments on principalities. And the reason these judgments are coming to pass is because the people in those parts of the world will have broken through, will have prayed, and will have sought me. And I'm going to answer their prayer with lightning. God spoke to me for about 40 minutes. I mean, I never heard this in my whole life. And I'm going, and back then I forgot where that was in the Bible. I didn't know it was Revelation 10. I just knew it was in Revelation. So as soon as we stopped, I grabbed my Bible. I'm just going to say what I said one more time so you get it. The seven thunders are seven judgments on the seven seas. Remember the seven seas? Remember for 11 days God told me the seven seas? That's so I'd pay attention when he spoke to me the next time. The seven seas, there's judgments on them. Seven continents. Now, there are all sorts of judgments on people in the book of Revelation and files. We're not talking about those. We're talking about a specific seven thunders the Bible talks about. Now, listen, before you think we're, we're getting right out into where are we going, look what the Bible says about Revelation 10. This is When I read this, I was so happy that I'd asked God about 12 years earlier, would he please show me what this means? So God in his grace did, because look what it says, Revelation 10, verse 1. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, a face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. Do you know what your feet are? They're places of judgment for the enemy. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. Where? Underneath your feet. Then it says this. He had a little book open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea. And his left foot on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice. As when a lion roars. And when he cried out. The seven thunders uttered their voice. John was going to write it down, but he couldn't. It got sealed up. For when? Well, maybe now. I realized something. A few things. There are three things that come out of the throne. Voices, thunders, lightnings. Do you know what John didn't write down? He couldn't write down the lightning part. All he could do, he saw the the lion's roar, which released the thunder, but he couldn't write down what happened after the thunder came. Why? He couldn't write what the, what the thunders meant, what the result was, because the result was lightning. What does lightning mean? Lightning means judgment on your enemies. How do I know that? My spiritual name is... Ba- Are you following me, by the way? Okay. My spiritual name God gave me many years ago, I didn't even know why, was Barak. B-A-R-A-K. He just told me that's your... A, you know what Barak means? Lightning. But I didn't know it. You see, out of the throne proceeds lightning, thunders, voices. What just happened in Revelation 10? Voice, then thunder, and then the one thing that got left out. How do I know that lightning is a form of thunder? Man, if I was you guys, I would just really get a hold of this. Especially the ladies. Ladies don't mind roaring. Guys, it takes them a while. (laughs) Too much dignity to be lost here. But that's okay. Tonight, you're going to lose some. But listen carefully. Good. Jesus said, (laughs) priming the pump. Jesus said, I saw Satan falling like lightning. Falling like lightning, you guys. Hallelujah. When lightning comes, most of your problems are solved in the spirit. But we don't know how to release it. I do. Do you? That's why we see revival come in, in different places, because God has told me, release the lightning. We think that God is going to come to judge the devil. We're wrong. God has not left judgment to the devil himself, to himself. It's not scriptural. Read 100 and Psalm 149. Let's go there. We're talking about something very important tonight. This is not something that you can play with. This is a reality of heaven. Now, really, when, when you begin to do it, and after you do it, the joy of the Lord comes and just about knocks you down and makes you happy. Because finally God found somebody who will do it. Psalm 149. In the middle of the chapter, it says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, verse 6, and a two-edged sword in their hand. Why? To execute vengeance on the nations. And punishments on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them. The written judgment. This honor has all the saints. Wait a minute. Who's going to carry out the judgment against the enemy? You, you, you you mean you. Jesus only has one body on the earth. That's you and me. That's it. The body of Christ. Who's he going to use you? And me, if you could only get this one thing, it would change your life forever. If you realize that the line of the tribe of Judah is within you. Now, this is something you do under the wisdom of God. So I'll give you a testimony of what happened on the way home. We're going to a place called Salmon Arm. Say Salmon Arm. Yeah, salmon. it sounds like a smelly fish. Salmon Arm. <laughs> we're in a place called Kamloops. And as we're driving through, God speaks to me. You know what he said to me? I didn't like to hear what he had to say to me. He said, Charlie, there is a spirit of religion that lives in the city. That's over the city that you're going to. And that spirit lives in the church you're going to be ministering at. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> That's all I need. Spirit of religion in the church. And he says, you're not going to minister what you thought you're going to minister. He says, you're going to minister on the form of godliness that denies the power thereof," And I began to roar. And right here, out of my belly, out of my belly. I begin to roar under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't do this all the time. In fact, I rarely do it. But when God tells me to do it, I do it. And so I begin to roar. And all the youth thought that was cool. Rah, they all start, you know. So we get there and we're ministering to the youth. God says, look at the young people and minister. But the word that you're ministering is not for them. It's going straight up. And the word by itself will take care of what has to go on. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the principalities and powers by the church. By the church. By the church. The manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God. So I was speaking to them, but my words were going straight up. And the first five minutes, I mean, they were sitting there. They were like junior high youth. They're sitting there. And I'm like, the form of religion that denies the power thereof. they're like, (laughs) I wasn't talking to them. But I had to look at them. I'm sure they got blessed. In the second message, I'm ministering away and all of a sudden everybody's looking up the side because there was a bank of windows and I looked and it began to hail. Now I'm not talking hail the size of golf balls. I'm talking hail the size of big fat ice cubes. Sammy was there and it began to hail in a three block radius. Hail the size of ice cubes. You could see right through them. That's, that's what cut, kind of, not white snow filled like hail. Big ice cubes. It's like God took about a billion and a half ice cubes, dumped them out of heaven. And it covered the ground. We could hear it hitting the ceiling. Bam, 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 bam. And they had a big skylight. All of a sudden, bam, right through the skylight. All the water comes pouring in. It's hailing in the church. Water starts pouring out of the light receptacles. We run outside. The hail took both mirrors right off our van, just knocked them right off the van. It was coming at an angle. We had a white Volvo or intercessor owned. It looked like somebody tipped it sideways and drove a hundred golf balls right into the top of it. There was three car lots within the three block radius of that church. When we got home one month later on the news, they said that there was over $3 million worth of insurance damage on those cars. They just got smashed to bits. And I said, it was better than a movie. I knew that God had done something. I knew the heavens opened. Do you know that hail is a sign of God's judgment? Lightnings, hail, thunders. Yeah. Oh, and I looked there and it was just like being in the movie. When we came out, the clouds are rolling back. I mean, it was better than Lord of the Rings, which I've never seen, but it was better. I'll tell you. Oh, and all I could think of was hail, hail, lion of Judah. I knew something broke. I made a beeline to the youth pastor. I said, Mark, I said, is there a spirit of religion in your church? He started to cry. He says, yeah, I'm quitting next week. I said, what do you mean? He says, after this conference, I'm quitting. I'm leaving. I said, why? He said, the pastor won't even let me call Won't let the kids call me pastor. He says, I'm, you know, he says every time God moves, he shuts it down for 14 years. He said, we haven't had a move of God. We haven't got one person saved in our church in 14 years. This is a Pentecostal type church. And he was grieved. He said, God starts moving in the youth. It gets shut down. He said, I'm leaving next week i said don't leave god has a word for you tonight hallelujah because i said the heavens just open up and god is about to answer your prayer because the lion of the tribe of judah showed up when i'm speaking to him i hear the fire truck coming Woo! and here comes this big fire truck why did it come several people phoned the police uh, phoned the uh, the fire department why they saw our church on fire they drive up, we're talking the whole nine yards, all the firemen with the axes and their hats on backwards. They come running in. And it was so funny because we're standing there. We run up and here they come and they run out of the truck. They got the hoses going. And the lead guy with the big, you know, the big hat. He goes, do you have that here? Oh yeah, we have a fireman here somewhere. And it's got the big thing. And he's got the axe, the, you know, the hats. You guys got those hats too? Yeah, he's got the axe. And, here's the, and he comes running into the church and there's a great big sign. It said, catch fire downstairs. And here's what he did. Catch fire downstairs. Down he went. He comes up. He goes, is this a joke? What's going on? I said, I don't know what's going on. We have a picture in front of us, us in front of the whole of the fire truck. I've got the guy's hat on. I'm standing there. We're in two feet of hail all over the place. And here we are in the fire truck. And I'm going, God, you're doing something tonight. God, you're opening the heavens tonight. God, you're going to take down that principality tonight. So we, we, we had a service. It was good service. But when I went to pray for Mark, the very last guy, I walked out of this world into the spirit world. I took one step and I looked at him. and I said, Mark, I'm going to tell you three things. I said, number one, don't quit your job. Within 30 days, a, a, a Christian youth uh, association is going to move in your town. They're going to look for a leader, a part-time leader, and they're going to offer to pay half wages i said somebody's going to tell them about you they're going to phone you up say yes because god wants you here there's going to be revival in the youth because god's going to deal with this religious spirit and i said number two and i want to tell you something i love pastors this is the only word of its kind i've ever had for a pastor ever i've been in the same church for 21 22 years but i told him i looked at him under the anointing of the spirit i said god is about to remove your pastor very quickly he's going to be gone And I said, number three. And I looked up in the top of that church. It was about that high. It was a big, huge A-frame church. And I said, you foul spirit of religion that has been living in this church for 14 years. Come under this man's feet. And when I did, he just went, bam. And he never got up for three hours. In fact, he never got up. We had to leave. We packed up. We waited for him. He was out. We couldn't shake him. So we left. We left him with his youth in the middle of the night. We had a service Sunday. It was Saturday night. Eight months later, I'm at Patricia King's home. That's where our office was in the basement. I'm thinking about this guy and I thought, man, I forgot all about Mark Gordon. We left him on the floor eight months ago. I wonder what happened. I phoned him up. He says, I cannot believe you're phoning me today. I was going to phone you up this week. I said, what happened? He said, remember those three things you prophesied? I says, yeah. He says, in about three and a half weeks after you left, a group called Young Life came into our city. They did it by faith, but they needed somebody to work half-time. And they were going to pay them half-time wages. Somebody told them to call me. They called me. They asked me if I'd take the position. He said, yes, I would. He said, you were here Saturday and Friday night. None of the elders were here. None of the elders heard the word. On the following Friday night, they had an emergency meeting. They voted the pastor out that Sunday They want a person to the Lord for the first time in 14 years. In 14 years. Spirit of religion does not like it when you lead souls to the Lord. You begin winning souls to the Lord, they leave your region or they leave you. They they cannot be around soul winners. Listen, they can't be around soul winners. (laughs) But the third thing was so awesome. He said, Charlie, it's been eight months since you gave me that word. But he said, last week, our organist came into my office, closed the door and said, Mark, I have to tell somebody. I've been holding this for eight months. She said, eight months ago, uh, pardon me. She said, I've been the organist here for 14 years. Every Sunday that I've played organ in our church for 14 years. As we begin the worship, she said, I could feel this ugly beast looking at us and balking us from the top of the church. She said it was there for 14 years every Sunday. And she says, remember when those youth from Abbotsford came eight months ago? He says, yeah. She said, you know what? They weren't here the Sunday, that thing wasn't here the Sunday after they were here. And she said, it never came back since. Do you believe that could happen in your city? Do you believe that your obedience can make things like that happen? Listen, you guys, they had a revival. Hundreds of kids came to the Lord. That's not a very big town. They had a ministry. They called it the gate. God is using this guy. He has created a Christian uh, program for the public high schools, and he's affecting tens of thousands of people in the public school district. God can do these kind of things. He's going to do something tonight because he's going to open the gate because we're going to roar. When we were in Indonesia, when I landed, God spoke to me. You know, he says, you know, God shows me strange things because there's strange things in the spirit. He tells me strange things that just seem, I'm like, what kind of creature is this? And, and uh, when we were flying in, God said, there's going to be a catastrophe right after you land. A catastrophe after you land. And he said, you're going to read about it in the paper. So we land. In, uh, we're, we're coming into Indonesia. So we land. The next day, there's a plane crash. Oh, pardon me. There's a plane crash the day we landed. The next day, I'm reading about it in the paper. And it says Lion Air, L-I-O-N, Air, crash, kills 26. And you know what happened? We landed, and right after we landed, another plane crashed. But when it crashed, it went past the runway into a Muslim cemetery and just smashed up a bunch of Muslim graves. Do you know what that's called? Holy War. Oh, it is. To the Muslims, you can't desecrate the grave or it's Muslim. It's a holy war. And so God declared some holy war, I guess. And then God said this to me. Now, this may seem strange, but hang on. You see, sometimes God will tell you strange things. And I don't go blabbing strange things when he tells it to me until he begins to fulfill. And I have a testimony of what he said. He said this to me. I had just bound a spirit that's guarding the gate in the water off the coast of Indonesia. You know what it looked like? It had the head of a lion and the body of a fish. Have you seen the seal of Indonesia? The merlion? That's what it was. I didn't know that. Do you know what one of the the symbols of Indonesia is? It's a half lion, half fish thing called the merlion. Isn't that funny? Well, not funny. And God dealt with some of that. Isn't that good? You see? And then he told me after, if you were here this morning, he was going to take a dragon and cast it in the water. But when it hit the water at that point, it was going to cause a big wave. People were going to get killed, but God was going to go open up the heavens over Southeast Asia. And he is. He is. But he is. We're going to do some activation in a couple of minutes. You know what we're going to do? We're going to roar. How many would like to roar? I know you guys would. Some people are like, uh, but you know what? If you can't roar, don't sit and judge. Just, I was going to say purr. Don't purr. Just speak in tongues or something. Because it's not as strange as you think. It's like, it's basically a shout from your belly. That's all it is. But it's a little bit more than that. It's actually a violent, and we need to do it together. We need to do it by faith. We need to do it hidden. But we're going to do it together for a purpose. Here's the purpose. So that the thunders of God can come, and the lightnings of God can come, and that God will judge your enemies in this area. When the lightnings of God come, when they come and they strike your enemies, that's it. The heavens will open. Now, just, you know, get this tape. And listen to it a few times. I'm not telling you now, don't start growling and roaring all over the city. Don't do that. But when God speaks under the command of God, you need to do this stuff. And it's better to do in, in places like this than anywhere else. I know people that do it over their business. And I've seen tremendous victory. And that was before I told them anything. It's, there's women. They, they'll go in the basement, lock the door, put a pillow over their head and go, ah! they're roaring. They don't know what they're doing. See, they're roaring in the spirit. You're allowed to do this, by the way. The religious spirit doesn't like it. So I assume that most of us are free from that because we're still in the room. <laughs> and then after that, we'll, we'll see what God does. Now, unfortunately, I've got about one-tenth of my voice left because I've done this so many times. So I'm going to let you roar. Let's stand up. God, we fix our eyes on you. Father, it's not by works of righteousness, but by your grace alone. But even you, D- Jesus, your word says that you humbled yourself and became obedient. It takes humility. It takes abject humility, sometimes in obedience to fulfill the call of God. There's a cost to win in the kingdom. Salvation is free, but the victories will cost you. What will they cost you? More than anything else, your dignity. Sometimes they cost you your friends. Sometimes they cost you your life. Today it's going to cost you a little bit of dignity. Just a little bit. It's worth it. Because we're going to hide. Father, we hide right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we hide in the cleft of the rock. We hide under your mighty hand. You said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he would lift you up. God, we hide under the cleft of the rock. We hide under your feathers. We hide under your hand. We hide under in that secret place of the Most High. We go and we hide right now. And God, we thank you that the Lion of the tribe of Judah is on the inside of us. And God, I believe that the voices that come from heaven comes through us. And so, God, I want you to speak through your people tonight. Let it not be us that the enemy hears. Let them hear the lion of the tribe of Judah. You said, with your breath, you will slay the wicked. Hallelujah. And so, God, as we roar tonight, let your breath come through us. Let your sound come through us. Let your roar come through us, God. And so we're going to roar tonight. One, two, three. Roar! Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye ancient doors. That the King of glory. The King of glory. Glory shall come in tonight. God, I thank you for changing the spiritual atmosphere. I thank you that you're blowing back the clouds of dissensions tonight. That of the sea is tonight. God, that's your party to see tonight. God, this already power being poured out tonight. Yeah, that's right, I was gonna call you guys up. Lift up your hands, receive something from God. There's an anointing right here. God is gonna pour in the oil and the wine right now on relationships, on hearts, on lives, on individuals, on families. There's the oil of anointing. There's the oil and the wine. There's healing. There's deliverance. There's setting free. There's financial blessing. There's the promises coming to pass. There's promises coming to pass. Promises coming to pass. Prophecies coming to pass. Word of the Lord coming to pass. the scrolls opening up, the seals coming off. Tonight, 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 tonight. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing a song.